Hyperspace is a metaphorical idea, uh, which is supposed to be the space where your consciousness is located when you're using uh, computer technology on the internet, for example. And uh, I'm not entirely sure it's uh, such a useful term, but I think that's what most people mean by it. How does that strike you? I mean, that your consciousness is located somewhere other than in your body. Well, the, the, the most interesting thing about the term for me is that it made me begin to think about where one's consciousness is when uh, interacting with other kinds of media. For example, even when you're reading, where where are you? What is the space in which your uh, consciousness is located? And when you're watching television, uh, where uh, where are you? Uh, who are you? Because uh, people say with um, the internet, for example, it's a little different in that you're always interacting, or most of the time, with another person. And when you're in cyberspace, I suppose you can be anyone you want. And uh, I think, uh, as uh, this uh, program indicates, it's worth it's worth talking about because this is um, a new idea and uh, something very different from face-to-face co-presence with another human being. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing, or you haven't decided? Well, no, I, I've, uh, mostly <laughs> I've mostly decided that uh, uh, new technology, uh, this kind or any other kind, is uh, a kind of Faustian bargain. It always gives us something important. But it also takes away something that's important. That
There must be a solution for all this pollution. I hope you care about the polar bears. Polar bears are nice. They need ice. I hope you care about the polar bears. Polar bears wish that they could eat a lot of fish. I hope you care about the polar bears. adults here.
Running down resources, cutting down rainforests, spilling oil into the Gulf of Mexico, changing the climate. And the only thing that has actually remotely slowed down the relentless rise of carbon emissions over the last two to three decades is recession. And recession, of course, isn't exactly a recipe for hope either, as we're busy finding out. So we're caught in a kind of trap. It's a dilemma. Dilemma of growth. We can't live with it, we can't live without it, trash the system or crash the planet. It's a tough choice. It isn't much of a choice. And our best avenue of escape from this actually is a it's a kind of blind faith in our own cleverness, in technology, in efficiency, in doing things more efficiently. Strange, rather perverse story, just to put it in very simple terms. 
It's a story about us. People. Being persuaded to spend money we don't have on things we don't need to create impressions that won't last on people we don't care about. Of, of, of 
way that we want to know this place as a place of beauty and of, uh, of support, uh, uh, a place where we can thrive, instead of a place to be scared of, a place to be wary of, a place that's become difficult and, and tricky to live on. Um, we were enormously blessed, and we owe that blessing.
And I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power, the power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!
is for me a very conformist category. It doesn't enter, it doesn't enter the frame. You have a serious ideological uh, deviation at the very beginning of the famous proclamation of independence, you know, pursuit of happiness. If there is a point in psychoanalysis, it is that people do not really want or desire happiness. And I think it's good that it is like that. For example, Let's be serious. When you are in a creative endeavor, in that wonderful fever, my God, I'm onto something, and so on, happiness doesn't enter it. You are ready to suffer. Sometimes scientists, I read history of quantum physics or earlier of radiation, were even ready to, to take into account the possibility that they will die because of some radiation and so on. You know, happiness is for me an unethical category. And also, we don't really want to get what classical story that I like, the traditional May chauvinist scenario. I am married to a wife, relations with her are cold, and I have a mistress, and all the time I dream, oh my God, if my wife were to disappear, I'm not a murderer, but let us say, uh, drop me, it would open up new life for me with the mistress. You know what every psychoanalyst will tell you quite often happens, that then, for some reason, wife goes away, you lose the mistress also. You thought, this is all I want? When you have it there, you turn out that it was a much more complex situation where what you want is not really to live with the mistress, but to keep her as a distance, as an object of desire about which you dream. And this is not just an excessive situation. I claim that this is how things function. We don't really want what we think we desire. traps and so on. You basically should go. We all 
Profoundly optimistic film. 